have any idea how to eat an elephant? <laughs> well, of course you never would, but the answer to the question is one bite at a time. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Here's What You Could Have Run podcast. Uh, today we don't have a guest because it's just me talking about my exploits on the Wendover Woods 100 miler, which is another Centurion event. It's a, well, it was due to be a one-off event in 2019 and they brought it back for 2021. So it's the 100-mile version of the popular Wendover Woods 50-miler. I normally get out of doing the Wendover Woods 50 because it falls on the wife's birthday and I quite like staying married. So it's always a good excuse not to spend a day in November sliding up and down muddy hills on your ass. I have been to Wendover once before. I did the 50k race, which is in the summer uh, and starts about 11 o'clock at night. So it's quite an interesting night trail race and it was good practice a few weeks out of doing the Lakeland 100 the other year. Um, I had quite a bit of fun on that race, although I did manage to fall over on my last lap, punch a tree and dislocate a couple of fingers, which is still my my main trail injury. So I feel that like I'm a proper trail runner now that I've actually injured myself. Probably just need to crap myself in the woods and I'll probably get some sort of plaque as world's best trail runner. For me, the Wendover Woods 100 with a little bit of a insurance policy. I had a spot for Lakeland 100 in 2020. That was a ballot spot. So I kind of let fate decide whether I should go back. And that got postponed to 2021. And being a bit disorganized, I forgot to apply for a refund. And more by lack of attention design was due to go back to Lakeland in July. And I was struggling really because it clashed with a couple of pre-booked holidays. Again, they've been postponed, etc. So it's really hard to know whether either the race or the holidays would happen. I didn't really want to train for a hard hilly hundred miler, only to find at the last minute I couldn't go and I'd be going off on holiday somewhere exotic and abroad instead. So as a bit of an insurance policy, I booked uh, Wendover 100. It's about the only hundred miler that still had spaces. And it's similar kind of incline, similar terrain, a little bit more woody than the exposed uh, fells that you get in the Lakeland. But it was a good comparison and only about two or three weeks out. So it meant I could train for a hilly hundred and see which one happened. And at various points, depending on what our lovely PM Boris decided to spout nonsense at on his press briefings, it looked like I'd be able to do neither of them, both of them, maybe one of them. So in the end, it ended up with, it looks like I could probably do two. So I went for Wendover anyway. Try and get that one out of the way. Training wise, I just didn't get quite enough hill training as I wanted to. I did build a bit of a high elevation treadmill in the garage, which probably spent longer building that than I did using it. But I did gradually try and get some miles in. I've been a bit awful at running hills, or to be honest, the whole last year, which on the one hand is good, isn't it? I'm not expecting to run hills at Wendover, but also just means I'm not getting the practice in at doing hard efforts up them. The other thing that was significant about this event is it would be potentially my fourth 100 DMF in a trot. I had the track 100 at the back end of 2020, which is in October. And that one, I wasn't quite in the shape I wanted to be in. I managed to get a marathon distance done, but I could feel my ankle getting a bit stiff. And largely there was rain forecast and I just got a bit bored, so gave up. 
And that was my first real kind of DNF at 100 and a proper race. And it kind of set in my head, I think, that DNS was something that happens. Prior to that, it was always a, something that just seemed to happen to other people and was never a factor for me. So that put in the head that 100 DNFs are possible. I don't think that really helped as when I did Thames Pass 100 earlier this year. Again, I was hoping to be fully fit, fully trained and get a PB on a really fast 100 mile course. Wasn't quite fully trained, had a few injuries in the run up. So in about two months, I went from not running at all to three weeks off completely and then ramped up quite quickly to try and get to 100 miles. I did manage to do a 54 miler in the run up and a marathon. Uh, it definitely wasn't quite where I wanted to be. And I think that combined with the weather and the fact that I was behind my previous time on the 10th path meant by the time I got to about 68 miles, again, I just couldn't be asked and dropped. So, yeah, like I said, putting that DNF in your head was something that can happen was not ideal. And then after that, I had a spot of the Milton Keynes 24-hour race. That's only been run once before and actually won that year outright with 104 miles as a long training run. And that was one of those races that just went perfectly, just set off, stuck to my game plan, stopped for dinner, stopped for a breakfast as it was Father's Day. So had a nice family McDonald's breakfast at the side of the track for half an hour and then got back to it, uh, finished 104 miles in under the 23 hours, was able to nip home, have a shower, come back for the awards. It was real, one of those perfect races. And then this year, there were a lot more people running. Again, I was still not quite where I wanted to be, a little bit behind schedule. And when it got to about midnight or so, I'd already covered 55 miles. I just couldn't be asked again and went home. So that's Although technically not a DNF, as long as you do one lap, you have finished the MK24. In my head, that was three attempts at 100 milers in the trot, all DNF'd. So it wasn't looking too auspicious for Wendover Woods. And the week running up to it, I was still very um and on about which one to do. In the end, it was kind of the logistics of Wendover that swung it for me. I'd had a pretty uh, long day on site down in Croydon. I said to someone else, the only decision you should make in Croydon is which is the quickest way out of there. In my case, I also decided to throw a few bits in the bag, pack the car up and have a go at doing Wendover Woods. Wednesday and I'm basically stationary, waiting to finally get home. England are playing tonight, see how they get on with that. By the time you listen to this, you will know whether or not they did well and whether or not we're in the finals. And if you listen to this, a long time in the future, that's uh, England in the Euro 2020, although it's 2021, because of the wonder of COVID delays. This Friday, I've got potentially, I'm still a bit up and down in it, but I think I'm probably gonna go for it. The Wendover Woods 100 miler, which for anyone who doesn't know is hilly as fuck to be honest and I'm not very good at hills but I really kind of needed to get a hundred miler done this year and actually finish it I've got the Lakeland 100 a few weeks after that and that's more by luck than design I've managed to get in on the ballot for 2020 so I thought that's fate telling me to go back and have another crack at it. Obviously that then got delayed to 2021. 
and I was just a bit disorganised and didn't defer in time or get a refund so whether I go or not my spot for Lakeland for 2021 at the end of July is there waiting for me that's why I went for Wendover Woods as another similar hilly race not long before with the intention being that I'd actually train for a hilly hundred and it'd be one or the other depending on what happened with Covid cancellations and similar and the minute it looks like both are going to go ahead Wendover's certainly going to go ahead I could kind of still see Lakeland potentially being delayed again I think it's a slim chance of that but just today we've had uh, the Dublin Marathon uh, postponed to next year uh, Snowdonia Marathon that's in October that's again been postponed so bigger events are still getting pushed back even though in theory things are improving although Britain the uh, new cases are shooting up but Boris says it's fine and we can go back to licking lampposts and I'm sure we're trusting because he's never made a bad decision so there we go with that but speaking of bad decisions it looks like I'm going to be attempting 100 miles at Wendover in two days time I've had a good couple of races recently I'm quite not quite back to full speed but I'm certainly getting there but I'm conscious this year I gave up at Thames Pass at 68 miles no injuries I just couldn't really be asked to carry on and two weekends ago I did the MK24 which is a 24 hour endurance race where I intended to try and do 100 miles got to 55 I think it was I started to rain and again I couldn't really be asked but the similarity in both of those races ones I've uh, run before and done pretty well at not quite on form you do wonder what the point of being out there is to complete a race you've already done once before and get a slightly shitter time so the advantage of Wendover is I've only done a 50k there before not the 100 miler and not many people have even finished a 100 miler because it's only the second year they've held it I think the field on Friday is only 50 people in total so even if everyone finishes, it's still not going to be a large pool of people that have finished it. So, I think that might be the incentive. And the other incentive is, if I finish, I won't have to go to Lakeland and can guilt-free stay at home. As much as I thought the Lake District was gorgeous, that course is just monumentally hard. And logistically, it is a bit of an arse being so far from MK, where it went over. It's about a 45 minute drive, it's laps for 10 miles, so if you do have enough, it's not hard to come back home. Timing wise, when I did the 50k, so three laps of 10 miles, the first couple were just under two hours, the last one just over, obviously not expecting to be that quick at the weekend, but I think that shows quite how challenging that course is that even on fresh legs trying relatively hard that 10 miles still takes two hours so I'm fully expecting by the last few laps that 10 mile lap could well take three three and a half hours that's a and put a I think it's 32 hour cut off with 
longer than South Downs Way as a measure of quite how much challenge it is. So yeah, gonna go down and see how we get on. My main concern at the minute, other than what shoes to wear, which is always a concern, is that we need to get to start for about 6.37 and I don't know where the nearest McDonald's is. I can't start an ultra without a McDonald's, so I'll have to check the map and work that one out. So, decision made, I decided to throw some stuff in the car and buy a bit of food and make plans to go. If you've not been to Wendover Woods before, it is properly hilly. Uh, a lot of the hills have actually got their own name, which is always a sign that it's, it's not a slope, it's something quite substantial. Obviously being still a relatively flat part of the country just outside ours where you haven't got sort of two or three hour climbs like you get in something to Sandonia or similar, but they're certainly properly steep angles that take your breath away and some of them you're literally just running up, or in my case walking up on your tiptoes as you can't even get your whole foot down. So it's certainly different to probably your average trail run. Uh, the train wise i was a bit up and down on what shoes to wear so i packed an awful lot of pairs as i said before when i've run it uh, a couple of years ago for the 50k it was proper dry dusty trails and was pretty well suited to a road shoe to be honest this time although not awful weather we certainly had a much wetter sort of june july than we would normally have and there was definitely a lot of mud on the course so i went for a kind of more intermediate pair of hokers which did well for the first few laps and as you hear later on i did start to struggle when the rain came down the other nice thing about the loops is it's 10 mile loops with an aid station at the start and then halfway round so you don't actually have too much to worry about in terms of food and drink etc as long as you're happy to stop some mandatory kit list is a little bit easier in some of the more extreme 100 milers some people there just add everything they need in a small bum bag rather than a proper race vest. And you could certainly fit your mandatory kit in one of those if you were minded that way. And certainly might have helped with the uh, the temperatures and the humidity as it was properly hot and humid and pretty minging, to be honest, in the woods. It really kept the moisture in. So, yeah, something like a bum bag that allowed your back to breathe a bit better might have been a better idea. But for me, I think the main motivation was if I could finish this, I wouldn't need to go to Lakeland. I'd have broken my my curse of failing at hundreds and get another one notched off. And as you heard at the very beginning with that sound snippet, my approach was very much not to treat this as a hundred miler. If it's just too far to consider and not even treat it as 10 mile loops, but just treat it as every feature of that course, I've got to do 10 times. So a little bite of the cherry each time. Come to a horrible hill, don't think about it, get yourself up it. The top, that's one less time you've got to do it again. If you take that approach, you can uh, have little bites of the elephant and hopefully run out of elephant before you run out of appetite with my plan. Obviously, based on the previous couple of hundreds, I knew there's a good chance I'd have run out of enthusiasm long before there, but it was worth having a go. And starting on a Friday also meant once you kind of committed to it and you stood on that start line, you spent a day's holiday, so you might well run for at least a full day to make the most of that day's holiday. Another benefit for me is it's quite a small field. There were only, I think, 49 starters in the end. I knew a good few of them and I also knew a good few of the volunteers. 
So it did feel a bit more like a trail run out in the woods with your mates rather than a, a hard, challenging race. Just take it as a, a long day of running with your mates and it's certainly a better way of doing it. The other advantage of picking Wendover Woods over Lakeland 100 to try and actually do a decent effort at is I've not done it before. Like I think the Rose of Shires, the Thames Path and to some extent MK24 are all ones I've done before and had a good effort at. So when you try again and you're just not where you want to be, you're behind where you were previously, you start to wonder what the point is. So I figure if I did get to Lakeland, that would possibly be the same case. The only advantage of Lakeland is I did such an awful attempt last year that although I finished, I would almost be certain that I could do better this year just by doing simple things like looking after my feet a bit better and eating a bit better and keeping on top of those basics. And plus, if you've done the course, you know that there's so much of it that you can't run. So you'd have to force yourself to actually run anything that was runnable through the flats and the downhill. So knowing that, I think you'd definitely get a good few hours off your course record there. So the advantage of Wendover is I've not done it before. The fallout rate is horrendous. I think the first year they ran it, only 20 people finished. So in a way, there's no pressure to finish it. It's a ridiculously hard race, physically and mentally. So most people probably weren't going to finish. Didn't really matter which side of the fence I fell in, in terms of being a DNF or finisher. So in many ways, it took a lot of the pressure off. It was just a, a hard thing to try and do and see how far you get. And I seem to do better when I've got something hard like that to focus on rather than trying to race the former records that I've set where I've generally been younger, fitter and less prone to injury. So, yeah, younger, fitter Mark is an annoying bastard to try and keep up with. So it helps sometimes to do different races. So with all that in mind, I got up early on the Friday morning, drove down to Wendover, parked my car up and decided to have a go at doing a little bit of a jog in the woods. What was really good, as I said before, is I knew so many people volunteering, people like Spence and Stuart are out there to support. And then at the halfway A station, there was typically either Dimmy with her beautiful dog Rolo, which is always a benefit having a dog to cuddle halfway around a race. Or there was Kerry as well from Milton Keynes. So it was nice to know that there's a friendly face halfway around. And the actual course layout at Wendover is you kind of see that halfway aid station twice because it takes you almost to it. And then you dive off into the woods again for another little out and back. So you don't really think of it as a horrendous 10 mile loop. You think of it as a run to the aid station, wave at people, another little out and back, then prop at the aid station, fill up again. And then you've just got the last sort of four and a half, five miles back to finish. So the first couple of laps went pretty well. And it, apart from the uh, tremendous rainforest type humidity, I was pleased to be out there getting the miles done. I was quite happy to run my own race and accepted the fact that lots of people were going past me. And I was pretty steadily dropping down the leaderboard. But knew that, yeah, it's not the sort of race I'm ever going to win. I'm not gifted at hills. The previous course record holder was there, Stuart, who's a really nice bloke. He completed it, I think, in something like 18 hours before. And I can't even manage 18 hours for a flat 100. So there was no way on earth I'd be anywhere near the front of that pack. So there was no pressure to try and push. It was just keep moving, keep the momentum going and try to fool your ass down the hills. <laughs> 
19 and a half-ish miles. Oh God, steep round Wendover Woods. I think they're called hilly bastard woods. Uh, 19 and a half miles. So nearly two laps finished. First one was just under two hours. This one's going to be just over. And I think that kind of shows just how hilly it is. Leave my first lap. There's two hours for 10 miles. And I wasn't exactly at the back with that pace either. Wasn't flying like Stuart at the front. He's a lovely bloke, but obviously not human. So, it's uh, two laps done nearly. Eight to go. Going all right. Bit humid in the woods. James did say it would be a bit like a rainforest in terms of humidity and he wasn't right. I'm sweating like a PRG. That's about to finish second lap. Gonna get what a Luke is eh? I'm probably in my headphones and listen to a couple of podcasts. See you later. So as you can see there, even on lap two, I was finding the hills uh, surprisingly challenging. It's certainly not an easy route. And mentally, I was kind of set in my head really not to get my cheat sticks out until lap five with a bit of a kind of halfway treat, something to look forward to. And actually chatting to Ali on route and she had similar plans. But yeah, by somewhere around lap two or even lap three, I was starting to think, yeah, maybe that's not the best idea. So remembering my mate John, who's done the Wendover Woods 50, I think he's done it twice now. He always ends up stealing a bit of undergrowth to make his own sticks. So I thought I'd give it a go. And before each hill, I was kind of skirting the ground, just looking for something that's useful. And find a few sticks to take me up. And then either hang them for the next couple of hills, or if I got to the top, I'd be launching them back down, hoping to find them again the next time round. That worked quite well for a while until I found a stick that was just too good to give up. Well, hello. Uh, on lap four now, just started lap four. Just having a uh, walking picnic. Sandwiches, Percy Pig, watermelon. Doing all right. Uh, 6.45-ish, I think, for end of first lap. And I've got a stick. See, one of them cheat sticks, but it's 100% organic, recyclable, compostable, low carbon miles. Much better than carbon fiber. He's called Mr. Stick. It's the third stick so far, and he's definitely the best. I'm gonna hang on to him for a bit. So, yeah, going all right. Fucking sweaty. And, uh, me at the A station's now been replaced by Kerry, so it's still nice to see someone every half lap. And that's about it. Gonna keep plodding. Only issue I'm getting is on a really big hill, which I think is called Narkin. In my right inner quad, get a horrendous cramp climbing up that for some reason. I had to stop twice and swear profusely, so we see uh if that keeps going, I might need to just man it up. Although that's probably not the right phrase these days. Strong person, it up. 
but there you go, be more sensitive. So, see you all later, bye. Now, as I mentioned there, it was really hot and humid in the woods. It's It was a hot day anyway, and we've had a bit up and down weather in Britain, but something about that tree cover and the canopy just really kept the humidity in. And I was properly sweating, and yeah, it's one of those days you can just feel the sweat dropping off you. I definitely keep on top of your fluids, and I wasn't sure if some of that cramping was perhaps due to salt levels, etc. So I was taking S caps as well to try and sort that out. What was very noticeable is probably from that lap two onwards, every time you come into that main A station at the end of the lap, there'd be a couple of bags less on the tarpaulin in the drop bag section, and people were starting to drop like flies. We had, I think, 49 starters in the end. And uh, yeah, from very early on, people started to drop. And they weren't just, you know, park runners that got lost on their way to the local park run. They were all proper runners who had to complete at least a 50 to qualify. As I mentioned earlier, Stuart was there, who actually won it the previous year. So he's a ridiculously fast runner. And even he didn't quite manage to stick it out to the end. So I think it shows quite how challenging the conditions were and the heat made for a higher attrition rate, I think, than even James was expecting. Right, currently at 36 miles, so more than a third of the way there. Going through 33 and a third at about 7 hours 45. So, it's not the quickest 30 odd miles, but there you go. Going alright. Do use my stick. That weird inner quad type of pain. Um, it's now good coming on some of the other hills as well. So I've kind of worked out if I sort of climb the hill sideways, a bit like you do when you're wearing skis on a ski slope, then it seems not to hurt as much. You just look a bit like a drunk penguin. But there you go. So yeah, going right. So actually, this should be lap four, finishing in another four-ish miles. I might treat myself to a pot noodle and a can of lager. That'd be nice. Bye. It's all going pretty well up to lap four. I uh, spoke about shoes earlier. I've been wearing a pair of Hoka's with fair amount of tread and grip on them. Can't remember the model, but nothing extremely lugged, but they seem to be about right. Good levels of comfort. The odd patch where perhaps I could have done with a bit more grip, but up to that lap four, they were doing fine. And then just as I started on my fifth lap, the rain started and it was ridiculous how quickly it affected the conditions underfoot. Fortunately, I'd picked me uh, proper cheap sticks up at that point. I think without them, I probably would have spent most of that Fifth lap sliding down my ass. to be honest. It, it saved me probably about 15, 20 times. I just, my feet went out from underneath me and it was only the poles keeping me upright. And the grass started to turn slick. The mud just got ridiculous and this kind of fine silt level on top just went to absolute slime. And I've run in these shoes quite a lot before and I was surprised quite how bad they were. And it was only kind of about halfway through that lap. I looked down and realized one shoe in particular this sort of sticky wind over mud had basically ripped off all the uh, the black rubber grip section. So I was mostly running on the the kind of grip-free sole. So almost on one foot, I had a, 
a racing flat, which wasn't ideal. So I suppose in a way it gave me something to take my mind off because that fifth lap, I wasn't thinking about pace, hills or anything, just trying to stay up on my feet and get back to the aid station to change my shoes. And uh, yeah, managed to do that. Had a bit more to eat. Noticed a few more people had dropped out again. So I thought, well, it's uh, about 13 hours, I think, for halfway. Had some coffee and thought I'd go to my car to change my shoes. And that's where potentially the race was ending. Oh, hello. Um, halfway went in just over 13 hours. Just having a slightly longer than planned A station break to drink my second cup of coffee and change my shoes. It was getting a bit chilly in the tent, so I sat in the car to change my shoes. And I'm having the, as expected, wouldn't it be easy to go home debate? So I don't know. It's getting dark. It's not raining. When I have new shoes on, I might actually be able to stay upright. So there's a lot of positives. But also home's about 40 minutes away and warm. So yes. One of those uh, interesting points in an ultra. My highlight of the day has been seeing an awful lot of different doggies. And very good. All ultras should have many dogs on route, I think. So we'll see how we get on. I'm going to sit here, drink my coffee, make my mind up. I need to finish 100 at some point this year, I think. I don't know. Yeah, as you heard there, I did have a real quandary at that halfway point. I was sat in my car. It was nice and warm and comfy. And even after the kind of the heat of the woods in the daytime, up in that trig field was starting to get a bit blowy and cold and not the most inviting. To be honest, it was well, probably about nine o'clock at that point. So I was thinking if I you know, just start the engine and drive off, I'll be home before 10 back into bed after a shower because I was stinking and I can uh, yeah, enjoy my Saturday as normal. I've made the most of my day off work. There's no reason to carry on. And I was pretty much set to be honest, drop because so many people by that point were dropping. It didn't really seem to matter whether I joined them and yeah, having dropped a much easier races recently, dropping at a super hard Wendover Woods is still not to be unexpected. And in the end, the reason I stayed actually was the volunteers, because having known quite a lot of them, seeing them sort of out there wasting their weekend to look after us, I felt really guilty to sort of going home. And in particular, Kerry, who had already done a shift of volunteering. I could see her out the windscreen of my car, getting into a crappy little tent for the night to have a shit's night's sleep in a windy field to get up and do it all again tomorrow because she had the kind of graveyard shift for the final section. I just thought, God, if people like that can actually put themselves out the weekend to support idiots like us running, that the least I could do was at least try and get a few more laps. So I wasn't a complete waste of time. So it was a bit of a grumble. I got out of the car, I grabbed my sticks and I went for it again. What I did do is stick on a couple of podcasts, just try and take my mind off it and settled in for the night, knowing that come morning I would probably feel a lot better and wondering how many laps I'd get in before daybreak. This was about time of half nine, ten, I think. I basically wasted the best part of an hour at the end of uh, my fifth lap. So I thought, well, I've still got a long way to go. 
but a lot of time to go. Let's get a couple more laps in before daybreak and see how I feel. Right, I'm on the coming up to the end of lap seven, so 79 a bit miles. With a bit of luck, I will finish this lap in 24 hours, leaving me a maximum of eight hours to do 20 miles, which should be bloody possible. Although I am a little bit broken. Uh, people are dropping like flies. Last time I checked, we're down to about half already. And uh, yeah, cutoffs are going to start kicking in soon. So, yeah, so there it goes. Bloody hard, this. Not really hard. I'm not sure Lakeland isn't easier. It's the scenery varies a bit. But yeah. You know We'll keep going. Hope to finish. Hope to go home. Have a shower. Good as stink. It all kind of starts to merge and blur into one by now, but on one of those laps when I got back to the tent, I thought Ali, fresh from her uh, really good performance at South Downs Way, she's been struggling to keep food down. So she was unfortunately dropping, so that's another person gone. I also saw Brian there, who, well, I think he got to about on his sixth lap, he thought he might not make the cut off for halfway, so he he jogged back and dropped as well. So there seemed to be more and more people dropping. It seemed like all of my Twitter chums basically were struggling and dropping. There were only about 20-something people left out on the course. And I, I kind of almost felt under pressure that at least one of us idiots should finish. So I kind of decided that it might have to be me. So I just carried on plodding. It wasn't quick. I tried to run where I could, but I was definitely just at that point when you're coming up to kind of 80 miles, you know, your legs are a bit shot. The speed is reduced and gone and you're at best doing kind of a fast hike, fast jog type thing. But at least I was getting the miles done. And then I had two laps to go and with I had to do sums many, many times because when you're tired, it's not also not it's not always easy trying to do 32 hour cut off less 24 hours. But after doing that sum about 15 times, I reassured myself it was eight hours. So I basically had four hours a lap to finish. Uh, I just started on that penultimate lap and it was all going quite well at this point. As I said before, I've been doing the tiny bites to eat an elephant approach. So it's quite good to come to every little hill and say, yep, that's my ninth time done. I've only got one more on the final lap to go. It's looking quite good. And then my stomach decided that, although it's normally kind of cast iron on these races, I never even have to worry about toilet trips. Just as we were getting to the toilet by, uh, God, what's he called? The Gruffalo. I should know that, shouldn't I? Just as I was getting to the toilet by the Gruffalo, it made it very clear I need to make a pit stop. So I dived in the toilets there and felt much better afterwards and thought, right, I've got less than two laps left, probably done about a mile of the second lap, so about 19 miles left. Still got the best part of that uh, eight hours to go. And they told me when I got to the aid station before that I was about an hour and a quarter ahead of cutoff, so I had plenty of time. So I can now start motoring again. 
try and get a half decent pace up and just make that relentless progress to try and finish knowing as a, at point in the race where the harder you push the sooner you finish and the, you're fighting the tiredness really the longer you're going to take the more the fatigue's kicking in the slower you're going to go and you get that vicious circle of going slower and slower and getting more and more tired so my intention there was to make the most of it and get cracking just as I got up to the Graffalo, I thought, you know what, I've not had a fight with a Graffalo yet, so I best get one because it's something you've got to do. Certain people like Ali seem to take one every lap. It seems a long way off course to be doing that because I'm a bit lazy with extra miles, but I thought, yeah, I'll get one now. Reached my phone and realised that I didn't actually have it. So I thought, oh, damn it, I've left it in the toilet, so at least that's only just up the road, that's not a problem. Ran back and it wasn't there. And that's when panic set in. I tried to remember what I'd done with it. Realised I left it back at the trig point at the end of the uh, lap. And thought, damn it, what do I do now? I'm about a mile into the lap. Should I just carry on and run without it? But then remembered it's actually mandatory equipment. And the wife was due to ring me in the morning to see how I got on. I thought she'd probably panic if some random volunteer who's found my phone answers it and tells them the... She doesn't know where I am and I might be dead. I thought that might not go down well. Plus the hours penalty for missing mandatory kit, if imposed, would probably put me over the cutoff. So I thought, damn it, I'm going to have to run back to the start. Not particularly knowing Wendover Woods. I'm sure it's a slightly shorter route I could have done, but I thought I'd best stick to the race route because at least I know where that goes. So I started sprinting back up the hill and found a renewed burst of speed, which alarmed some of the other runners coming the other way. Particularly Mark, who has been kind of running with on and off for probably the back half of that race. We kept seemingly meeting up at the halfway aid station. He was a lot better than me on the flat and the downhill, but I seemed to power past him on the uphill. So we kind of kept running together and then breaking up. So yeah, run along and everyone was going, which way are you going? What are you doing? And I said, I've locked my phone. Fortunately, someone did say, God, they found one at the aid station. It's probably yours, which was reassuring. So when I got back to Trig Point, I was in probably quite a good sprint, to be honest, back to the tent, angry at myself for being an absolute dick and leaving my phone behind. Uh, James happened to be out and looked quite alarmed to see a runner coming the wrong way and at a decent pace and looking kind of angry and furious and upset. He was probably worried that someone had fallen over, broken their leg or been viciously attacked by a wild gruffalo. So I had to admit that no, nothing's gone wrong other than certain idiots had left their phone. So one of the volunteers gave it back to me. And just before I set back off, uh, James was his best to reassure me that I still have plenty of time for those last two laps and set off sensible and not go out like an idiot to try and make up those extra miles. I probably added about an extra two miles on. Obviously, uh, James is an ultra running legend and knows what he's on about. So a sensible person would have uh, taken his advice. But a sensible person probably wouldn't have lost their phone and uh, nearly got a mandatory kit hour penalty either. So clearly I wasn't sensible and I'm a big idiot. So I went off angry at myself and ran hard and angry and had some speed that had deserted me for probably the last five laps. And I was actually whipping along. And halfway through that penultimate lap, I actually caught back up with Mark. So I don't know how much further we got ahead, but I basically made up all my extra miles in half a lap which isn't the way to do it so we had the aid station feeling sweaty tired and angry at myself still 
and actually finish at a penultimate lap of 12 miles, probably quicker than some of the 10 mile laps I'd actually completed. Right, just done the final lap. Four and a half hours. Let's do 10 miles to beat the car. Hopefully that should have worked. I just noticed I've got a hole inside of my shoe, so these will be going in the bin. And the weird stone that was digging in my little toe isn't a stone. I think I might have broken my little toe. But I'm going to ignore it until I've finished. But yes, looking forward to finishing, getting home, and having a massive pizza all to myself. I think we're down to about 19 people who are still in it. About 52 ish, I think, stars which shows it's a little bit challenging. So we get on, should finish. Or at least most of me and nine toes will finish. This little piggy may have gone to Wendover. And then sadly I was out in the final lap and by which point I think all that adrenaline kind of worn off the heat of the day was coming back again and I knew I still had four hours left to do 10 miles and my brain kind of shut down and said yep we don't need to run this fast and we're not letting you and it was a bit of a slow dirge on that final lap I kept thinking I was going so slowly I was going to be overtaken and passed by people that was about the only thing that kind of kept me focused there's so few people out there you didn't really see anyone you're running most of the race on your own by that point and i was coming up that last hill after railings and if you know wendover there's a bit of a single gate to get through i think it's a deer gate onto a footpath and then you've got probably a half mile final sprint and i was checking my watch thinking actually not only am i well under 32 i'm well under 31 and i could probably come in at about 30 hours just 30 hours 42 43 something like that still well under i'll do a final sprint finish but unfortunately i couldn't I my mean, legs were just absolutely trashed by that point and i did kind of an old man fast jog and just got to that last style which has been getting somehow that last style has got increasingly taller every lap so i clambered over that the best i could and then ran across the line or more of a fast jog again across the line and finishing about 30 hours 46 so uh, a pretty awful for a 100 miler. I think I actually clocked 105 due to a bit of GPS errors and my extra miles. Still a lot quicker than I would have done at Lakeland. And yeah, I was absolutely bushed at the end of it. And I remember saying to James that if anything, I found that a bit more challenging than the Lakeland 100. Although I was definitely a bit better trained for the Lakeland. So that's probably the difference. Yeah, it was a real nice sort of chilled atmosphere at the end of the race. People just sat out in deck chairs cheering the last few runners. I finished in 14th place with that time of uh, 30 hours, 46 minutes. And there were three more behind me. So like four more, there were 18 finishers in total. The last of whom, Calvin Hemmings, uh, finished only 12 minutes behind the cutoff. And there were quite a lot of people watching online who were cheering him on to make sure he finished. Because after 30 odd hours on your feet, you do not want to be uh, missing that cutoff and not get the lovely buckle at the end of it. 
so yeah despite this being a much harder race than the 300 miles i gave up on recently i i stuck it out and i did finish and i think in total for the two stages in this event they've had about 38 finishers so one of those uh, finisher buckles was quite a rare thing for this and certainly something that i will treasure when i finished i was just glad to get it done I had that familiar quandary after a finish that you always have on these races of do you get fully changed and make the most of it to get home or do you just hit the road stinking with manky shoes and they've got a big hole in the side and I went for that approach. I was very tempted just to throw those shoes straight in the bin as a massive hole in the side but equally I was so stiff and broken by that point that bending down and faffing around with another pair of shoes just seemed daft. So, yeah, headed straight home with the windows open, try and keep the stench out because Wendover Woods and my own lovely sweat had all kind of combined to form a lovely aroma. Very heady, at any rate. So, got home, ordered pizza as soon as I got in, so I had time to go for a shower, get clean and look at my feet. I was eating pizza and giving my feet a good soak to try and see what they looked like. There was so much mud that had got in my shoes basically just from the rain and the mud but particularly my right one where I'd split the shoe open completely and my little toe and the one next to it was so swollen on that foot I had no idea whether I'd broken it or actually it was just a massive blister or some sort of heat irritation or what I couldn't tell but it was not happy and it took at least two or three soaps over the next couple of days before my feet got to the point they actually looked human again and I think in the end it was just a build-up of sort of dirt, grime and a bit of friction from overly tight trail shoes because that pair that I ran the back half of it in. Very, uh, and worn them too much, not much over 10 miles. So it was a bit of a risk wearing them that long. But any shoes that I really had with enough grip to make it around that far in the conditions. Uh, the day after, I got up, had some more leftover pizza because you, know, you can never have too much pizza after an ultra and then went to meet the family for a day out in South End, which was a good way of getting a bit of active recovery, although getting on and off the roller coasters with legs that refused to bend was certainly a bit of a challenge. And then I had took the rest of Sunday off running and Monday, but to be honest, by Tuesday, I felt pretty good. No people always say you should take for a few weeks off, but I was getting a bit antsy. So I went for a gentle club run Tuesday night and the legs were all still working all right. And then due to hideously bad plan on my part, a local 10k race on the Wednesday, which actually went pretty well. It's about 43 minutes, which for me is a couple of minutes past my PB, but still not a bad time for one so close to an ultra and a weirdly seem to have far less aches and niggles the week immediately after 100 than i have in the preceding couple of months so yeah, i don't know how that one works out but if anything running 100 hilly miles actually sorted my legs out better than varying stretches and uh massage gun i've got one of those stupid massage guns that bounces your muscles around in an aimless manner to try and fix them but yeah so that's that's how I managed to finish Wendover Woods 100 when I didn't really expect to and when a lot of other runners didn't manage to. So I think it's it's very much a race that rewards stupid persistence and arrogant pig-headedness, which is certainly what I had in space to finish it. And I think really it helped having that approach of don't think about 100 miles, 
just think about doing every hill 10 times and then just knock it off each time you've done the lap and just take that approach I and mean, i've done a lot of lapped marathons and similar so i think mentally i'm quite good at that just looking at a large distance breaking it down and just doing it bit by bit before i go just a reminder that my second book uh ducking long way is out in august uh, it's now available for pre-order on amazon and a few other online sites so feel free to pop along and put an order in there for people local to milton Keynes, they will be doing some sort of book launch thing at the back end of august probably the 26th of august i'm just trying to sort out a venue and all those arrangements at the minute which are obviously made a little bit harder with covid because although we're expecting to all be relaxed before then who knows what's going to happen and i know a lot of companies are taking a far more cautious approach than our illustrious pillowcase of custard that we like to call our prime minister if there's any other races you like to see featured then uh, drop me a message until next time goodbye run Game over.